guys and girls and everybody. This is Lissa Mandel from the Bitch Seat Podcast. As some of you may know, we are a part of the Atlantic Transmission Network, which is a network that puts out all kinds of great podcasts. A great way to support our show and our sister shows is to visit theatlantictransmission.com and click on the Amazon link at the top of the homepage. It's all the same great Amazon stuff at the same great price, but we get a small piece for sending you there. So if you want to keep shows like The Bitch Seat going, keep us happy, then, uh, you know, throw in your pennies. You don't even have to pay anything extra. Hey, campers. Rise and shine. It's, it's decent outside today, <laughs> and it's also the bitch seat. With uh, your co-hosts, uh, Phil Casal And Lissa Mandel. And uh, right up top, we're going to put out the ask again for if you have any information about Pogs and how to play the Pog game, because nobody knows. It's a big mystery. I know there was a game behind it somewhere. Uh, we just bought the biggest slammers and kept it at that. We just bought the most hologramish eight ball decorated slammers. Uh, at least I did. Actually, I had a I had a slammer that was like a clear plastic orange one with like an eagle etched in silver on it. I had like uh, I had an X Men one that was like two inches thick and metal. So like I could have killed someone. See, I feel like there were no game regulations then. There were none. You can't have like a like a hockey puck that's like seven pounds and be like, well, I'm going to use this one today. I mean, that throws the whole. Yes. Thing. So anyway, forgive us listeners. Go to lissamandel.com to the contact page, send an email to me and tell me how to play Pogs. But wait a second, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Before you do that, you should subscribe to us on Google Play or, or iTunes, iTunes and follow us on Twitter at the underscore bitch underscore seat. And also the Facebook page. Yes, which is the bitch seat, which is just like a regular phrase. And we're going to, yeah, we put up pictures there and future shows and other information. And, and uh, if you know any POC stuff, get in touch with us on the Facebook or the Twitter. And there are so many ways. So many ways to find us. And we want to be found. Please. <laughs> Please. Please. <laughs> um, so today on the podcast, we have uh, the beautiful, talented uh, Heather Sundell that uh, I just met recently. She is the West Coast version of Mandel. Yeah. And uh, we also have, what? What's what's going on? I see you looking down at, at, at something. I was just looking at my phone, but we're going to pretend that's not there because we're living in 1995 right now. Oh, yeah. What what uh, what month to be ex- exact? Uh, the, ex- to be exact, I'm going to be reading an entry from April 4th. April 4th. 1995. Well, you know what was the number one song at the time? I don't, of April Phil. 4th. It was Tell Take me. a Bow by Madonna. I Loved that song. And the music video was about uh, a bull, uh, a matador. Yes. The ma- everything was in slow motion, uh, including the matador. And he had really tight pants, as they are apt to wear, and a really perfect butt. So, But in the world of Madonna, everyone has really tight pants and a perfect butt. In the world of her music videos, which is, let's be honest, ten times more romanticized than most music videos. I love Madonna. Oh, yeah, me Maybe too. you can understand. I understand. I was a big Madonna fan. I Especially was, after A League of Their Own. That was a pivotal yeah. in my life. Yeah. Also that weird movie where she like pours candle wax on Willem Dafoe. Which that, one was that? Wait, I, I saw that too. What was that? I forget what it was called, but it was real steamy. I feel like the camera had like a lot of fog in the frame, you know, because it was steamy. There was a lot of steam. I feel like there was a lot of steam and fog machines generally in 90s music videos. Yeah. And movies. 
and Who movies. Knew? And you know what? We haven't talked about Jamiroquai yet. We'll do it next time. We'll do it. With, 95 he, <laughs> is not his time. He's still in high school in 95. I know, but remember when he was walking around on the ceiling? Yeah. Well, remember when he had that hat first? Yes. I, it was a cat in the hat hat. Yeah. Um, um, so April 4th, in addition to that, uh, Bad Boys just came out. What's that? Ba- Are you for real? Bad Boys? Martin Lawrence? Will Smith? I... Michael Bay? Oh, Michael Bay. It's one of the best, but th- this is before he went up his own ass. This is like prime Michael Bay. Like, good. He's not like, hi, like explosions and tigers. He's not, he's, he's really? a little crazy. Yeah, he's crazy in this, but it's not, I mean, he didn't try and blow up an asteroid this time. That'd be three years out. Uh, also, uh, Wolverine uh, still didn't have his adamantium claws back after having them uh, brutally ripped out by Magneto. In fact, the universe changed because somebody went back in time and killed Professor Xavier, uh, and now uh, the X-Men are stuck in the, the Age of Apocalypse in 1995, which is... I mean, yeah, I feel like that's pretty on brand for 95, because in the 90s, that was like prime grunge era. A lot of upheaval. Every, a lot of upheaval. A lot of, a lot of the younger generation like wearing black and saying, fuck the system. And yeah. that was like the beginning of everything being ironic, because, yeah. because sentimentality and sincerity were really... Yeah, I mean, it, it was so weird. Superman had a mullet at the time because he just came back from the dead. What? Yeah, because he was... Dean Cain Superman? No, no, the actual Superman. Oh, I the love The actual Dean Superman. Kane. He was a great Superman. Poss- possibly the best TV Superman. I think so. I would say. My mom and I loved Dean Cain. Yeah, I, I love Dean Cain. I was a big fan. Big fan. Uh, um, let's get let's to get it. Let's get to it. All right, so this is from Satin, the original Satin, with the point shoes on the cover. Written in pencil, which I stopped doing because honestly, pencil fades away after a while. So what's the point? How can how can I read it to my adoring fans later if I can't yes. see the words? Okay. April 4th, 1995. Dear Satin, this is not a fantasy. It's coming true. Do you believe it? My fortune cookie was finally right. I think I'm going out with Trevor. Allison asked him out for me this morning on the bus. Uh, Justin said he knows the answer, and I think it might be Yes. Amy was nosy on the bus, asking about what Justin was threatening to blab. Are you two going out? She pointed her finger at me and Trevor. I sincerely didn't know, but Justin and Trevor didn't answer. Instead, Trevor buried his head in his arms as if he'd been defeated. I felt as embarrassed as he looked. After Amy got off the bus, Trevor looked better, though. As I got off, I said that I'd call him if I worked up the nerve. I said that I'd call him if I worked up the nerve. (laughs) At home... I was set to call him. I just needed his number. It wasn't listed. I was so disappointed. Oh, well, I'll see him tomorrow on the bus. I miss him already. I really think the answer is yes. (laughs) Two Saturdays in a row, I have to miss dance. This week, I'm going to Jordan's Bar Mitzvah. Next week, I'm going to New York for Passover. Next Sunday, I'm going to see Tommy on Broadway. My hand kills. I'll tell you what happens with Trevor as soon as I can. Love, LMM. So on your list of crushes, uh, where was Trevor? I really feel like he's just someone who kind of showed up as a blip on the radar and then disappeared. Cause like he had a really perfect shiny bowl cut. It was like that time. And I, I mean, with frizzy hair, you know, I love the guy with a good shiny bowl cut. Oh yeah. Um, and he, he's, he, he's a musician. He was very sweet. Um, I think we're Facebook friends now, but, uh, anyway, allow me to continue April 5th, 1995. Yes. Dear Satin. Rejection is awful. Oh. I know I should have been prepared, but I was too busy thinking the answer was yes. It was hard for Trevor to explain. All eyes were on him on the bus. Well, not all eyes. He said he liked me, but not 
that way. Uh. He said he didn't hate me, but he still wanted to be my friend. Everyone says that one, but for some reason I believed Trevor that he really wanted to be my friend. At least he doesn't hate me. I should try again next year. <laughs> I got his phone number also. I doubt I'll ever call him, but just in case, who knows? So now I have to go back to just daydreaming. But it's hard after you've been rejected. That's all. Love, LMM. And the little, like, squiggly guy that I wrote at the end of every entry is crying in this one. No. I made the squiggly guy with the two cartoon eyes and, like, a sprig of, like, basically a sprig of hair that looks like um, carrot greens. That was a big thing back in the day. You know, trolls. I guess it was, yeah. And fraggles, which you know how I feel about that. Yes, so, strongly. Um, that was a really quick turnaround. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure my crush on Trevor only lasted uh, – for this 48 hours. It was like a D plot in the show. Like on your episode. Yeah, because like this is before this things. is before Cashin. Yeah, this is uh this is like a bumper. BC. Yeah. BC. Oh I my really God. do feel bad if if somehow word ever gets back to Cashin, uh how much we talk about <laughs> him on this show. Especially because I've never had a real conversation with him in my entire life. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but it would be that would be a really special episode if Cashin were on the show. Can you imagine? Because Oh my God, we got to do it. You have endless diary entries about this guy. I know, that might be a little bit frightening for him. Yeah, I was no. really obsessed. Just why I want to see it. You have to be put in the bitch seat. You created it. Stay tuned, listeners. Someday. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I really don't. Well, I, would have, I would have to record in Guilford, Connecticut. We should do that sometime anyway. Yeah, bitch seat goes home. The bitch seat goes home. But, but for hi- now. My high school was torn down. Yeah, that's that's kind of effed up. Because then where you do it? Where you do have you- to do it in the new high school, but I have no. You have no connection. Connection to it. Yeah. Well, that's a shame. Well, we talked ourselves out of that one. We have we still have a guest, so let's. Uh, <laughs> yes, we have a guest with her own notebook um, full of delicious treats. So um, I met her briefly uh, when I saw her. Uh, conduct a storytelling show um, with her own uh, man in her life, who we may have on the show someday as well. And uh, she is a lovely, glowing individual, uh, storyteller, writer, comedian, UCB folk. And her name is Heather Sundell. All right. So we are on a school bus. Yes. We're in the back seat. That special single seat. You is know? this an orange one or like a decant? It's a regular one. Regular one, okay. A, re- a regular bus, you know, a laid law, classic yellow. And Heather's sitting in the back seat, and she's wearing uh, giant can headphones. And uh, everyone is trying to talk to her. Everyone is trying to throw paper at her hair, and she doesn't give a fuck, man. No, because she doesn't she give a fuck. Because she is listening to her Walkman. Yeah. She has a Led Zeppelin shirt, and it was received at Hot Topic. <laughs> Hi, Heather. Hey. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> we have no idea what you actually looked like or listened to. Yeah, we're just going on a when feeling. You were, when you were young, but... um, you I know. think the thing that most resonates is probably just the not giving a fuck. I went through a pretty intense, awkward phase. Oh, Yeah. From when to when? Oh, I'm, I'm there. I'm coming out of it. Um, <laughs> I think it started in maybe the end of first grade because I lost like my front teeth and very large ones. Oh, came me in too. Its place. Oh, and I got glasses in second grade. 
Oh, and so, my hair was also very big and very frizzy. Really? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, listeners, Heather's hair is currently very, very sleek. I have learned how to tame my Jew hair. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wrote my college entrance essay about my Jew hair. You did? That's yes. amazing. Um, is it? Uh, <laughs> I'm so deep. <laughs> That's what I'm, hey, a self-hating Jew, you know we understand. I know. Um, no, but I, my college boyfriend, he saw these photos of me and he said, oh, you have ugly duckling syndrome because, you know, you looked like this and you're so beautiful now. And I was like, I don't think I do because I think that implies that I knew what I looked like or had any. I thought I was great. Oh, yeah. You didn't have the awareness of. um, No, I thought I was the shit. How lucky. How lucky for me. I suffer from overconfidence. (laughs) No, that's that's exactly where you want to be. That's way better to suffer from. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. It's really terrible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not joking you. Like, I, I, it's really hard to, I don't know. I think I'm bearing a lot of stuff. I've been in therapy for a year. Things, uh, things are looking Good. up. Things are looking down, but then also looking up for my comedy. Right. Oh, so, because so, yes. you're, 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 are you, what are you saying? You're learning to lower your self-confidence and that is improving your comedy? I think I'm learning to, like, <laughs> find out what, like, what's below. How to hate yourself. How to hate myself. I'm learning the things that <gasps> make me hate You're myself. reverse engineering. That's so Your self-loathing. Oh. I mean. It's just because I I have problems feeling my feelings. Okay. So. Fair enough. That's fair. No, that's. I, I completely understand that. I had a hard time with that for yeah. a while. I'm, I'm very male emotionally. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, well, yes. set the scene for us of, of where you grew up with, as this self-confident creature. Oh, um, so I grew up in L.A., mm-hmm. um, in Glendale, mm-hmm. mostly, which is, I, like, I live 10 minutes away from where I grew up, which is weird. Yeah. Um, and I was in private school up until high school. Uh, in all-girls? I was in an all-girls school from fourth through fifth grade, mm-hmm. interestingly. Um, but it wasn't uh, like a religious school. It was very feminist. Like in retrospect, all of the administration were like these really badass lesbians. Mm-hmm. And it was like this really, imp- it was a really, really incredible school. It's in Pasadena. Uh, it's called Westridge School for Girls. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and it made me, uh, when I was in, uh, 14, we moved from uh, Glendale to Orange County. Oh. Which was a really big change. Yeah. Um, so from going to like a private all girls school to like public school in Orange County was super weird. Well, what is public school in Orange County like? Exactly what you like the OC. <laughs> I mean, it's, oh, it's, it is. It, it is. is. I mean, it's super insular. There's everyone's in a bubble. Mm-hmm. It was real. I, I think that's like the first time I kind of was like, I'm different. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but I didn't let that discourage me. Good for you. I guess. Um, only child. I'm an only child. Mm-hmm. Is this obvious? No, it's not. I, <laughs> I just, I, uh, yeah. I, I wonder, because I mean, like, my first blow as a kid, you know, when I was three and a half, my brother was born. And that began, I think, all the tumultuous yeah. whatever. Um, I th- also think that, like, if you're an on- only child, <clears throat> your self-confidence uh, kind of goes unchecked because you don't have another person there. To share To either with. try so- and copy you or tell you to stop doing that. Yeah, or to even be compared to. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> I didn't, I didn't ever compare myself to anybody else. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. And did you did you have a bunch of friends when you were in Glendale, or and like, then have fewer of them when you got to the OC? Well, yeah. I I think what's interesting, 
all of the girl like I left I, I left uh you know Westridge, and at the time this was like 1999, I guess. Mm-hmm. So you know, AIM was like kind of a thing, but yep. you know, there's no texting. I couldn't drive. It was really hard to keep in touch with my friends. Mm-hmm. Someone. I, then I came back. I remember with a friend to like our winter formal at Westridge, and someone said something that like I thought I was. Like I was, I was more stuck up or something that I was bragging about my new life or. Oh, that like, was where your overconfidence bit you in the ass. I guess. I didn't know that that's, or maybe, I don't know. But I think it was just like one of those mob mentalities, girls. And then I think everyone disliked me. So I don't really have friends from there anymore. You don't need them. It, yeah. That sucks when somebody poisons the well like that. And it's like. Yeah. Uh, that You see that happen though, because w- when you. It's just somebody afraid of the other side, and then so they make everyone else afraid of you, and that's just yeah, like it's outsider thing. It's a, but that that was that's always high school. Mm-hmm. It just ha- it's. Ugh. I think also being in an all girls school during middle school is really different experience. Like I didn't have like, and I always think about <clears throat> sorry why, like I don't I remember keeping diaries mm-hmm. from elementary school, but I would write a few entries and forget about like this is like what I used to do with blogs where it's like, I'm going to start a new blog. <laughs> and then I'd have like three entries in it and then forget about it. And I just leave them like littered all over the internet. But like, <laughs> that's what they were for. Yeah. All of the tumblers. And that's what I would do with diaries. Like I wouldn't finish them, but everyone has these great, like rich, like diaries, like you just read from. And I realized that I didn't have those like dramas with boys. And so I think that that's where like a lot of like the need to like I need to expel like a lot of this like yeah. uh, emotion. I didn't have that. And so I don't know. I wonder if that's partially why I never felt compelled to. I don't know. I mean, this is this is kind of uh, an anomaly. I feel like I, I do talk about boys. There's specifically a few yeah. boys in particular, but I talk about a lot of other stuff. I don't think that I think I mean, my my need for expelling stuff in journals was just like, nobody else gets me, but somebody, I have to get it out of my body, you know? Um, But uh, I would go months at a time where I would not do it. And then I would just harangue myself in the next entry and say, I can't believe it's been so long since I've written. And then I felt like I would have to go back and write down every single thing that had happened, you know, in the months that had elapsed or whatever. I would be OCD like that for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why I didn't. I don't know. Well, did you? something to explore. Yeah. (laughs) Indeed it is. So you've lived in L.A. your whole life. When Did you ever, when you were younger, have wanderlust? Did you want to explore other stuff? Or you were like, no, this is the best, clearly. I think a few things. One, um, so I also went to USC. Mm-hmm. So I didn't go very <laughs> far. Um, I didn't really realize I lived in Los Angeles until after college, huh. oh. if that makes sense. Because... Living in Glendale, like, as now, if, if you go, like, mm-hmm. it just feels like a suburb. Like, I went to California yeah. Pizza Kitchen all the time. Right. Like, there was, you know, it didn't feel like I was anywhere special. Mm-hmm. I did have more opportunities to go to, like, different, like, cultural things. But for the most part, it didn't feel like it. And then USC was very, you know, bubbly as well. Mm-hmm. And then after college, I kind of started to explore the city. But I do feel like I have always romanticized, um, like, the small town narrative. Hmm. Interesting. Because, where, like, where do you go? I, 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 I left in 2009 for a year and a half. I lived in Denver. Mm-hmm. It's a little blip in my life. But, uh, lovely blip. But 
yeah, I have, I, I've in the past few years realized that I really sort of, I romanticized that feeling of like needing to escape because I didn't feel like I needed to escape. Right. And it's a really weird thing to grow up in other people's like fantasy or like where, where they're running to, hmm. like their destination and like be like, I've, being here already. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, actually, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, Cause definitely most people that you meet in LA are transplants from elsewhere. Yeah. People are very surprised to learn. I am from here. One that such a thing could exist. exist yeah. And then also like, Oh, you're so, ni-. that's like a dumb, weird thing of like, you're so nice. I'm like, okay, well, you're really down to earth, you know? Yeah. And I think it, I think what's interesting too is like, cause I went to a private school mm-hmm. most of my life, and I went to school with like a, like celebrity kids and like a lot of wealthy, really wealthy people. Mm-hmm. And my parents were like, like they're doing okay, but like not like these yeah. people were. And I think that growing up, I had to have a lot of com- my parents had a lot of conversations with me growing up about like, just so you know. That, like, like this is what, like, there was a lot of, like, trying to explain, like, why my friends had more things than me. Why I, I couldn't have the things yeah. that they could have. Um, and so I think that was always very rooted in kind of my probably being down to earth is because mm-hmm. that was a big conversation in my house. Right. The money thing was, was present in your mind. Yeah. And I think, younger. I guess that's interesting, too. Like, I guess I always knew I was, like, different in that way. Again, like, I was, like, kind of knew I was different, but I didn't let it, like, stop me in these environments I, think I guess it's so it's so interesting because you seem like um like a lot of kids I mean most kids most people that we talked to on this podcast when they were kids everything felt like very dramatic and heavy and lots of feelings and small things were the end of the world and it kind of seems like you were coasting I've realized now because I've been to therapy for a year yeah my parents are both um they're both like hippies. Like they're very, mm-hmm. my parents like as, as, as people don't have really strong senses of self. Hmm. So I think that I was kind of forced to have my own, like be really strong. And so my parents were always super supportive of me, but they were never like, um, my parents aren't like really opinionated. Like they weren't like, mm-hmm. there's there, you have to do it this way. There was nothing to ever rebel against. Right. Cause my parents were never telling me there was, a, I mean, obviously there were rules mm-hmm. and you know, I had consequences and things like that. But for the most part, because my parents aren't like that, I kind of had to create those that those walls for myself. Yeah. And I never had anything to rebel against. So I feel mm. like that that ang- the anxiety of like going up against your parent, like I was met with nothing. So I had to like build my own thing. Right. Yeah. That's so interesting. That, isn't that weird? Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, my parents were are super supportive people and I felt like I didn't have that quote unquote, like separation from them or rebellion from them until I was in my mid twenties because I never had that pushback from them. Um, but I created walls for myself. Like right. I created my own shit to push against that was yep. unnecessary. Yeah, uh, me too. And ha- having, having lived in New Jersey, like eight miles from New York where I needed to, where I was all the time. Like I get it. Like you sort of feel ingrained, like in a, in a bubble where you had time to be yourself. My parents were pretty supportive. But it only like me leaving now comes at the heels of the election where we finally like like we had some differences of opinion mm-hmm. and things like that. So like now I'm discovering things that I've I've hid too, like my feelings here. And it's very isolating, but it's very interesting to discover them and learn that I wasn't wrong in some instances to feel yeah. certain things. Mm-hmm. But it's 
Yeah, you know, it's it's very I encourage leaving. And I'm not telling you leave now, but I'm saying it's <laughs> it's uh it's fun to have some distance away from all the bubbles. Yeah, I guess my question would be well, yeah, cuz so we just moved here from New York very recently. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And um it felt I think for both of us we had to deal with these feelings of leaving home behind, yeah, sure. which felt like a little bit of a betrayal, you know, even though that's stuff that we just created in our own minds, but um because New York, to me, will always be associated with my parents, you know, which is not a bad thing, but it they are just as familiar with that city as I am, whereas coming out here, it really is brand new, you know? Yeah. And uh, forcing me to start, like, a, a new identity kind of from scratch. And the fact that you never had to do that, I think, is so interesting because uh, it's, a, it's a rarity, you know? Yeah. It is, but also I wish it... I mean, I did live in. I, I moved. You did to, went to Colorado. I went, yeah. to, I went to Colorado, um, but I was only there for a year and a half. And I think by the time I left, I was just starting to figure out who I was in Colorado, mm-hmm. and was like, okay, I get how this works. This mm-hmm. place, it was great, but um, yeah, I didn't know anybody. Like, I moved with a. Well, I mean, I did. I I moved with a boyfriend mm-hmm. um, who was from there, so I did have some sort of a support system. But I was pretty like resolute on like not leaning on that and trying to like pretend like I was completely on my own so that I would feel that. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, I wish I did have that experience. But you're thriving here. So it's, but how do I know? I haven't been anywhere. (laughs) I don't know. Like I'm not going to compare it to. Are you happy? Are you, if you're not feeling massive feelings of like lack or missing out on something, I think you're doing pretty good. Yeah. I guess that's true. Fair yardstick. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. I think I'd be I'd be okay leaving. I'm not telling you to leave. We're not telling I? you to leave. <laughs> I'll go. <laughs> what did you, you can um, have LA? What did you bring with you to share with us today? Oh, before um I brought two things. Yes. But I, I know how to play pogs. You do? What? Yeah. Oh my god. We have a pogs. The unicorn. Okay. So, so pogs is like gambling. Okay. Okay. So basically if you think about your pogs like your chips, uh-huh. right? Whatever you want to put in here is like what you're betting. Like into the pot? Yes. So let's say like I put in three pogs. We all put in three pogs, right? Mm-hmm. And I, if I'm remembering correctly, and this is like me not looking it up at all, just from you hearing, mm-hmm. you take your slammer on the stack. So the whole point is to like, you want to be able to hit the slammer on the on the stack of the pogs and flip as many as possible. Oh. The ones that you flip, you get to keep. And if you play like legit, you play for keeps. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's like, I mean, you make bets. Oh. That was essentially, I mean, that's pretty much what it was. And I'm trying wow. to remember now if it's like we all, like if we all put nine of those pogs in one and then do it, or, you, or you're just saying like, I can do three. I'm pretty sure you put them all together though. I just I remember my playing with my cousin and he I kept betting and betting and betting and I was like I'm like I'm going for it and he won all of my pogs and then he felt really bad <laughs> he gave them like all back to me because he's a year older but I, my slammer had a black widow on it and it was holographic yeah oh, nice nice but yeah and I think as far as regulation or whatever like I mean it was there was skill involved in it but it was. For key, like that's the whole point. Yeah, but I mean, there's no regulation in terms of the slammers because they were all different sizes, and some of them were really thick and metal. And yeah, some but of you know that there's probably look. It's like in Mario Kart when you put different, you know, <laughs> yes. like when you yes, put yes, different yes. things on your cart, like it's gonna you have to be you have to know how to use it. Yeah, yeah there are pluses and minuses. Yes, 
but that's essentially what pause Thank is. you. It's really it's, nothing. I know, too but crazy. I'm, it's been yeah. it's enlightening because I really. You know, I've given away pogs on this show before, and I still have the little like plastic container that they come in and everything, which, by the way, looks very similar to a uh, medicinal marijuana container. Yes, and um, I have no, I had no idea how to play them because I would just collect them because they were aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, I just well, remember. That, yeah, there were like there were tournaments and stuff. Yeah. like you would go and, but it was it was gambling. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I wonder if that's why then they became conf- they became that's why you illegal can do it in school. school. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely why. Ha. We all lost interest just as they became illegal in school. Or yeah. like just when like they were. Well, so I was like, I don't care. I mean, I'm just, I, I don't want to play it. I just want to have them. I think like the day, like Jerry the King Lawler on WWF, like Monday Night Raw was playing Pogs. I was like, I'm done. When yeah. like on a wrestling oh, yeah, yeah. show, adults were playing a kid's game. I was like, all right, well, I see what you're doing. We're good here. Well, that was yeah. a recent, um, Report just came out that Gen Z young people are moving back to Instagram and older people are using Snapchat. So just saying, oh it's, my God. I it just happens once, once, once the, the parents are on it, Ugh. it's over. You're done. It's over. I don't, I never used, I never did Snapchat. I like Instagram, but that's just cause I like the Instagram is like my favorite. That's yeah. my chosen social. But media I'm definitely platform. not Gen Z. <laughs> no, we're no. Gen Y. We're like Gen why y. us? <laughs> Why me? Stuck between the analog and digital, you know, just just trapped, trapped in our own nostalgia. Yeah. Speaking of which, speaking of which, you have some analog items diaries. here. Yeah. So, what well, I, I have yes, what one, one digital and one analog Great. for you. This I had. Uh, my first one is this uh, notebook from seventh grade, and a black and white marble composition notebook. It I has. Um, it has a cartoon Dracula <laughs> sticker on it. Great. I drew a. a doodled a ladybug two stars and I started coloring in the white part of the marble composition with two different colored greens Beautiful. Oh, there's pink on the back that's highlighter um so there's two sides of this notebook okay kind of. so the first like reading it normally this was for English class mm-hmm. in seventh grade and so a lot of these are like my reading logs and assignments book report yes yeah, so mm-hmm. these are all assignments and then at some point I was I flipped it over and I started using it for my creative writing. Uh-huh. Where I have limericks that I wrote and short fiction, I guess. Yes. yes. Um and would you like to share any of these? Sure. I've and there's just there's like random like all my poetry. <laughs> yes. And the th- and here, here's the thing about my stuff. Like, I guess I always I think it's so interesting. And also the second thing I brought was my live journal. Mm-hmm. Which is different. Like, it's embarrassing. And all of my writing and stuff, like my poetry, like, it's all embarrassing in, like, the exact opposite way as most people's. How so? It's, like, so, like, I'm not, fe- like, most people's live journal was them just, like, pouring their hearts out, like, right. into the ether of the internet. And mine is so c- reserved and so constrained because my live journal was a writing assignment for my creative writing teacher in college. And she made us oh. write every day, and I hated it, and I resented the assignment. Mm-hmm. And so I was, like, really, like, purposely, like, the whole thing is so superficial, which huh. I think is, like, more telling now, like, than I thought it was. But all of my stuff, like, my poetry is so, like, my stories are so, like, it's embarrassing that there's nothing there's I, I feel Of like, substance? Well, there was something inside of you that really maybe. didn't feel comfortable being real. 
Yes. Being really inauthentic, which is interesting. I'm not going to draw conclusions about growing up in Los Angeles, oh, but it's do. interesting. Sure. You know, because it is a very surface-driven town, right? You know? Yeah. Well, let's see. Um, well, because we touched on the hair. Yes. I do have a limerick called Bad Hair Day. Beautiful. <laughs> let's do it. I am having an extremely bad hair day. It is poking out in every which way. It's out of control. It's dirty as coal. A shower might be wise. It may. (laughs) (laughs) That earned me a smiley face from the teacher. Excellent. Yes. Um, I had one above that called chocolate, uh, and I got a note of a very good simile message. let's hear it. Here we go. I once had some chocolates in a box. Unfortunately, they were stale, like rocks. They ended up in my tummy. I sort of felt funny, so I went to take a walks. <laughs> Had to get that in. You made the rhyme happen. I made that. I made that happen. Um, I have. This is some. I guess this was nonfiction. Uh, description of my ideal room. Oh. Let's hear that. Oh my god. In my this is just dated September thirtieth. To, uh, 1997. In my room, I would have a double bed with green, with a green, blue, and yellow quilt. I would have a blue ceiling, yellow walls, and a green carpet. Oh, my God. I would have a pair of point shoes hanging mm-hmm. on a hook and clouds on the ceiling like the sky, like the one I'd seen at Caesar's Palace. <laughs> I would have all of my beanie babies on two shelves yes. on my wall. I would have light... A light wood dresser and matching wardrobe. I don't even think I knew what a wardrobe was. <laughs> I would also have a light wood computer desk with a computer and color printer. <laughs> big dream big. Thanks, Santa. Uh, all my stuffed animals would be on my bed, and I would have a light wood. I was very into light wood. <laughs> tall bookcase filled with books. I... Only got an 18 out of 20 on this. Oh, why? What, why were you docked? Or no, she said, one, oh, what, what, as 9.5. What, she said, what a great room. What are your favorite aspects? Because she's like, clearly this is superficial as fuck. Like, what? Give me more. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed reading about your ideas. I think that that's what she was really probing me. That's interesting. I know. This is so, yeah. What excellent timing that, that now you're talking about therapy because like you're you get to mine all of the stuff i know that you never it's, it's exciting it's exciting this okay this feels like there's like something like a nugget maybe of a feeling <laughs> i got docked for not putting the date but we can assume that's around halloween 1997 <laughs> <laughs> in past halloweens i've been a variety of things one year i even went to disneyland did you know that we happen to have been there on the least busiest day of the year Halloween on a Sunday is the best day. It was so fun. There were no lines. I'm in fifth grade. I was a street post. Oh, switch switching gears. In fifth grade, I was a street post. That's a costume. Uh, It's kind of hard to explain. She wrote try, but but it was neat. I was so disappointed that I didn't win most original. So I tried harder next year. See, don't let it get me down. Yep. In sixth grade, which was last year, for my seventh grade teacher who didn't know, I was a gumball machine. I was yet again disappointed that I didn't win most original. Well, this year, I'm going to be a Coke can with my friends, and we're going as a six-pack. <laughs> Better luck this year. 
She said, your costume was very creative. Yeah. Not most original. They all are very creative. Oh, that's interesting. So you were pretty driven. That's, yeah, a, a male energy thing, huh? Yeah. So, oh, here's one about you like the Beanie Babies. Oh, yeah. I have a whole oh, entry yeah. about Beanie Babies. Great. Really getting at the heart of what makes me tick um, from November 6, 1997. I have one collection, and they are Beanie Babies. I have about 60. Wow. Beanie Babies are little stuffed animals with beans inside of them. Actually, they're just PVC pellets. <laughs> I even have one that's worth $300. She wrote, why is it worth so much? Because she's a fucking adult, and she doesn't understand. <laughs> Which one was it? Do you remember? Uh... I think it was like a, 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 a tiger, but it was like one of the originals. Oh, and like yeah. I got it before yeah. Beanie Babies were a thing. Um, a lot of them are worth money, but I only collect them because they're cute. I'm not in it for the cash. Well, I guess I wouldn't mind having ones that are worth a lot. Yeah. But I don't have hundreds of dollars to spend on beanies. It's very hard to find Beanie Babies, so sometimes I get them off the internet. <laughs> I, of course, look around for the best deal. <laughs> My parents make me pay for my own beanies. That just makes them more special. Because cause it, oh, I explained why it was so much. Because it was out for a short amount of time a long time ago. God, get with the program, teacher. Hello. I traded Beanie Babies on the internet with strangers in forums. Really? Did yeah. it work? Yeah. Did you ever have any bad, like, was there any backlash for talking to strangers in forums? No. I always, like, I asked my dad about this recently. I was like, why were you just letting me, like, run loose on the internet? On the black market for Beanie Babies. Seriously. And, like, but, and, like chat rooms, too, and stuff. Like, That's danger. Me, I had, too. I was not restricted. Wow. Did you have a computer in your room? Yes. Wow. Yeah, I did not. I had to, I had to do my masturbating in a public room when no one was home. Same. Yeah. Um, but to that point... This was, we didn't, I don't think we, any of us realized how dangerous the internet actually was for us floating around 13 no, year olds. we had well, no idea. Of course not. no idea. Parents definitely didn't because no it was like, did. I don't know. Yeah, we just uh, watched, we didn't just watch, but a few months ago we watched this movie, a documentary, Call Me Lucky, about uh, this comic, Barry Crimmins, who discovered uh, all the AOL pedophile rings and like tried to bring it to the Supreme Court and like was resi was resisted. Until eventually passed all this legislation, but like right around ninety seven, ninety eight, because was it was it was suddenly all of these tools were made available to all of these people who didn't really know what kind of fire they were playing with, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, that was about the time when when we were just coming of age, and so in our brains thought we were adults, but in our bodies definitely were not, you know. I feel like that was all of my twenties. Yeah. <laughs> was like a hundred percent, really. Yeah, I feel like your twenties, or especially like the first half of your 20s like I think I always talk about like 22 being this like super pivotal year because it's like you've had your hand held I, I mean more or less like yeah. until you're like out of college and then you're just dumped and you're like for all intents and purposes like you're an adult you're paying rent I have bills I have insurance and so I have money and you make these decisions like you're an adult, but you don't have you really the, have no idea. The, how. The, the emotionally, you're not caught up with like your logistics, and so you make these like really weird decisions, and then can't like handle them. Yeah, but it's a lot. I feel you know it's a lot of playing up. But I mean, I remember even college feeling like I was such a grown up, and mm -hmm. now I look at college kids and I'm like, oh my 
God. Well, the thing is, I mean, we get, because we get taught all of this mind expanding knowledge, you know, you know, reading, um, uh, you know, Hemingway and, um, and Faulkner and, and really understanding the human experience at a deep level, but not being given the basic tools of, Hey, here's how you do your taxes. Yeah. I mean, I still don't know. I still pawn my taxes off to somebody else to do them for me. Yep. And, um, that would have been really useful. Here's how to do a budget. <laughs> yeah. Or here's how to consider what jobs you will actually have after college. Yeah. And you the, can't yeah. go straight to being the celebrity that you were intending. Like I was a BA in theater. Why didn't I get a class on how to like have a life? Or how to, that? yeah, the business of acting. I didn't know. I didn't know how to meet casting directors. I didn't know how to get an agent. I didn't know any of that stuff. But I went to a four-year really well-regarded theater program and didn't learn any of that. Same Z's. Yeah. So we figured it out the hard way. Yeah, my 20s were a mess. I mean, just miserable. Just miserable. But I miss them. Do you? I miss I, I was, miss some aspects. I was so glad to turn 30. Yeah. No. I, I definitely had, uh, <laughs> before I left New Jersey, I definitely drove through all my college haunts because for years I was still like, I really just liked that that time because I was sort of untethered from all the things I'm worrying about now. Like I wasn't, yeah, wasn't worrying about paying for a car. My grandfather just gave me a goddamn car when I was in my twenties. But I mean, it was more, more or less with the insurance money from. I think it's just the like <laughs> the totaled car feeling like anything is possible and you have yeah. a lot of time and it's okay to make mistakes and just don't make choices, do anything. Yeah, see, all but the that choices. the problem is that then I, I never. I, my whole life was just about anticipating, 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 like beautiful possibilities. And then the older I get and the fact that I haven't made certain choices that I thought would have been long taken care of by now, I'm like, fuck, like I'm 34 and my eggs are drying up and I can't pay my rent, you know, and uh, I was supposed to have made the choices by now. Um that's true. Or you did make the choices, and this is what the choice yields. Well, I think that that's I think that's it too. Of like realizing you did make choices and sacrifices, and you do have like looking at the things you do have. Yeah, it's hard. I think like I mean, Facebook makes it like easier than ever to just see those like just to punch those, yourself. Yeah, but I mean, just like those moments where you could have made a different turn and then you didn't, and yep. see what it could have looked like. Or and I'm it- glad. I'm glad that I took all the turns that I took. Um, I'm just saying, like, nobody, when you're, when you're little and you're being told to, like, shoot for the stars and dream big and follow your dreams and all this stuff, um, that's great for self-confidence. But then the fact that there's no practical help so that when you actually get to the point in your life when you, ha- when you can shoot for your actual dreams and not just dream about them, you don't know how, how to practically go about doing that's it. That's the thing. They, made, they, they call us snowflakes. But they told us we could do whatever they we ca- wanted. Yeah, they they, they put grew us in us. that position to be fucking well, vegetables. I have an interesting, um, like, creative trajectory. I guess maybe mm-hmm. different than other people you have on. But I, like, I was a creative writing major, and I wrote, and I was always kind of like, I was very creative in elementary school and mm-hmm. middle school, and I loved theater. I was always in theater camp and acting mm-hmm. and writing and all of that stuff, and then. I was really excited to stay at Westridge, my old girls' school, because they had an incredible theater program. Mm-hmm. And it was super cool because it was all girls. So, like, girls got to play guys' parts. And right. it was all just, like, Amazing. really great. 
So going to Orange County, the high school that I went to, for the first two years I was there, the Orange County High School for the Arts was at my high school. So if you weren't in that program, you didn't do, there was no theater and there was nothing. And so I remember I auditioned for it, but at the time they didn't have drama and musical theater. It was just musical theater and I cannot sing. Mm -hmm. And so I had to go into this audition that was like a group audition that I didn't know and had to sing 16 bars of, um, Matchmaker, Fiddler on the Roof. Uh-huh. And it was so devastating. Um, and so obviously I didn't get in and I stopped. Do- I didn't do any theater creative also because. Oh, I'm so Oh, that's sorry. such a magical ringtone. Isn't it? My yeah. dad has great timing. Um, and so I stopped doing theater because I had to make friends. And I had like, and that wasn't cool to do those things. And so I really lost this like creative part of me for a long time. And then mm-hmm. I went to college I went to USC and I was a creative writing major and I like did improv and I kind Mm -hmm. of like dabbled in stuff, but I was also in a sorority and I mean, that's like all in this (laughs) like live journal and all of my good friends weren't creatives and I graduated like all of my, like my best friends like don't really do anything. Not that they're they're all, they're all very creative, like Mm -hmm. wonderful people, but they all have got jobs and that's what I did is like, I got a job. I mean, I still now, like, I'm the director of marketing at, like, a social media agency. Like, I have this, like, real job. That's and great, I, though, because I, you're, you're still doing. I'm trying. But, of course, so just so you see the other side mm. of the, not, not even, I don't even, again, we just met. I don't know your trajectory. <laughs> no, I used to be in marketing, and I stopped yeah, doing it. I think it's interesting um, being, like, in that, like, kind of creative or, like, comedy world. And, like, I, I look at people who just, like, after college, like, went with it. And they just, like, didn't stop. And I'm, like, I, I stopped, and like, a while ago. And I, I'm, like, just finding myself now. And I'm, like, well, what, how much time did I waste? And, like, what could I have been doing? And, like, but I just, like, there's, you know, no side of it is you can't reconcile any side of yeah. it, I guess. Well, grass is always greener. For sure. I can't, like, I, I, you know, like, I can't do a lot of stuff because it's, like, I don't have the time. I don't mm-hmm. have the brain space. Mm-hmm. Like, and so then... I have days where I'm like, I just need to quit and just do it. But then do I? I don't know. No, you'll know when the time is right. It won't be a question. You'll be like, okay, I'm sick of this and I have to pursue this other thing. And for now, you yeah. have something that something that's probably a pretty creative job that supports you financially, which um, I would love. I for would now. love to not have to eat at Del Taco. Yeah, but <laughs> would you? Would you? I mean, I'll probably still do it from time to time. But um, You could do it with a limo. Limo through the drive-thru. Anyway. Yes, that would be very classy. It's hard, though. I mean. It is. Yeah, it's not like a, I don't know, I second guess it all the time. I think we all set up the barriers. Well, for for the most part, there is societal barriers and things at play to get you, I mean, that keep you from the things that you want the most. But for the most part, we sort of set them up. You know, like, from from your perspective, you could be doing a lot more, but you're doing you're still doing it's it. A choi- but it's a choice I made. Like I slept, you have to just be okay with yeah. the choices. I know. And I think about my therapist, my, my ex therapist who I fired because she was a bitch, but she did say <laughs> some useful things. And I think about her all the time saying, well, you made your bed. You have to sleep in it. And I'm just like, I don't want to sleep in there's it. There's nicer ways to say. <laughs> she also said, there's no such thing as a free lunch. I can't tell you how many times she said that to me. And I was like, you think I'm a fucking spoiled brat, but I'm not. I'm just expressing my feelings to you and you're punishing me for it. So I fired Dang. her. Um, nice. But therapy is great. Everybody should try it at least once in their lives. Yes. Oh, yeah. Indeed. Um, we, I have to wrap this up so I can go be a try and be a professional human. I have a meeting with an agent. 
And exciting. I, um, but we'll have to pick this up part two because I want to hear that live journal as well. Yes. It's um, honestly, I just did, I just randomly picked something and I read it at a live storytelling show mm-hmm. and it was so racist and embarrassing that I had to have somebody else read it. And it was the most, like, it's real. like, I, oh, I'm still, imperative. I'm still trying to like work through what that was. I'm what like you, Kalo Kalen sitting right now in, in excitement of this. It's really bad. Are you free next Saturday? Yeah. Okay, so you can come in, you can come in for part two next time. Yes. Great. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, and children and of all of ages, all ages <laughs> boys and girls, I, I am a circus announcer, and um, you'd be a great circus announcer. I'm not sure if I should take that as a compliment. Or I mean, in in the weird in a weird circus, and like a circus where everybody's treated fairly, and they don't and, hurt the elephants, and the elephants uh, have cuddle time with like you, you can go and and hug the elephants. Okay, everybody gets hugged. Everybody gets hugged. Everybody's getting something, including you, Heather. I have a gift for you. Oh, my. We always give gifts to our guests. They're, they're items from my childhood bedroom uh, that I never got rid of uh, because my childhood bedroom is still there in You're Guilford, Connecticut. You're very lucky. And um, I, I know. I, I know. Um, but it doesn't help my uh, collector hoarder tendencies. So anyway. It, I mean, we're on like, what, like 55, 56 episodes? That's like 55 pieces of something you've got. Not to mention all the live shows. My mom threw all my shit out. And then the stuff that she did have, like, it was like, I'm moving. Come here by this date and pick up your stuff. (gasps) No, I never had that. But everyone in my family is sentimental as shit. My dad is. My dad was like, uh, yeah. So there's there's stuff. I will give you some of my stuff so that you have it. (laughs) I appreciate it. You're going to get two uh, now for the next episode. That's right. It's a silver bracelet. I don't know if it's real sterling. Probably not. Um, but it's got little suns and moons hanging from it, Are which is like sure a very nineties. Th- yes, girl, that's from when I was like thirteen. This is like OG Claire's. That's, yep, exactly, yep. exactly. But it's got little suns on it, and your you sundial. Sure? Are you sure? I'm a hundred percent positive. Please take my things away from me. <laughs> I have too many. Things. <laughs> take my things, please. But, you know, I, I have childlike hands, so I think it's gonna fit me perfectly. Oh yeah, well I think it yeah. was it might it was a little bit too big for my wrist, so you might have to like. Adjust. Adjust it a little yeah. bit. Wow. But yeah, thank you that's so much. for you. Yeah. And, and uh, we'll give you something else when you come back next time. We'll just pawn off Bonus. all my stuff. Bonus. <laughs> Heather Sandell, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks and thank you guys for listening. And, uh, you know, treasure what got you here. Treasure Hello, I'm Ben. As always, I'm Paul. And we're from Juicy Reviews. We have a podcast where we like to talk and review movies, maybe bring on a wacky character from that movie, and always play some games. We like some games. I actually brought a clip, Paul. Wait, you brought a clip? I brought a clip. Can I listen? Yeah. I look mad young, right? Yeah, yeah. you look young in the movie. and uh, I hooked up with a bunch of the young chicks at the movie. Oh, you know what? You know what? It's not illegal if you're a police officer. And, and, I believe that, And this yeah. is something I wanted to bring up since you're here. Sure. Tell us about all the hookups on set. Oh, my God. Who's on, hooking up with who? Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So, like, there's, like, these, like, Asian girls in the movie. Right. They play, I, the twins, right? I triple kissed them. Okay, oh, a little triple kiss. Triple that way you didn't get confused if it was Rachel or Rebecca. Yeah, 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 exactly. I was like, oh, whatever, and I triple kissed them. Was and was that offset or on camera, or and they got cut out maybe? Or Oh, uh, I didn't do it on camera for sure. Okay. I would never, because, you know what I mean, That's I could get in a lot of trouble for that. They, I, don't, I don't know how old they are. I could never tell with them. But uh, who else? Let me see. Cecily, the girl. Yeah, I chalked, I, I chalked her. You chalked her? What, <laughs> I chalked what is, her. What is chalking? That's when you kind of forcibly kiss someone. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!